<laughs> I'm going to take somebody's lectern here. <clears throat> now, this is true. What you may have heard may or may not be true, but this is true. <laughs> no, thank you, Todd. I do sign, when I send Todd a note, I usually sign it, your favorite father-in-law. Now, you think about that a while. I mean, <laughs> it's okay. Well, good morning. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May his name be glorified in our midst today. May the spirit of the living God touch each life because of the exposure to the word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you this day. I'd like you to turn, if you would please, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. I got to ask a uh, technical question. Are the musicians coming back at the end of the service for a closing song? Is that true? I'm getting the yes. Okay, thank you. Just wanted to be aware of that. First Peter, I'd like you to turn to. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about uh, our inheritance. And this is uh, you're going to say, well, pastor that that was not, you know, it, it you told us what we already know. Well, good. I want to remind us of something that we already know. Is that all right? Because it's good to be reminded. I know sometimes when we talk about inheritance, talk about heaven, heaven sometimes is talked about at memorial services for people who have joined our Lord. Now, I'm older. I can say that without, you know, insulting anybody. Also, sometimes it's talked about to encourage people. We should, we should think about heaven at all times. Now, there's an old phrase that says we don't want to be heavenly-minded and no earthly good. That's not what I'm talking about. Because we are told by our Lord we are left here to be salt and light to the world in which we live. We are told to occupy until he comes. We are told in Second Corinthians chapter 5 that we have been given unto us the word of reconciliation. So we have a task to do while we're here. I'm not trying to preach some sort of an escapist clause where we quit thinking in, about being responsible in the world in which we live. No, we are to be very responsible. There's an opportunity coming up in less than a month now to vote, and I would trust that all of us who are of the age and accountability to vote would take that opportunity to vote. So please do not misunderstand me. This is not some escapism whereby I'm trying to get you to kind of divorce your thinking from the world around you. But there is a legitimate calling upon every Christian to think in terms of our inheritance, that that which lies ahead of us. Because it is a promise that is given to us by Jesus and the, the power of his resurrection. So Peter writes about that in 1 Peter Paul also said it many times. Let me just share one reference from the Apostle Paul found in the book of Philippians, the third chapter, the 20th verse. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the promise to every believer. So if you have turned to 1 Peter, I shall now do so myself.
first nine verses of the first chapter of First Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Caposonia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to, abode, to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, it will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, pardon me, the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And through, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. First Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I'd like him to, to encourage us all this morning, and you may smile at this phrase, but I'd like us to think about living like we are saved, enjoying walking in the promises of God, and let that influence our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. The people of Peter's day they lived in a society where they earned stereotypes such as they were called atheists because they refused to believe in the Roman pantheism. They refused to exercise Roman emperor worship. They were called cannibals by some because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the communion service as we would call it. They were called insensuous by others because of they spoke of their love for their brother, their sister, their fellow believer in Christ. They were persecuted and rejected by the Jewish leaders and by the Roman authorities. They had no recourse, no help, no hope in this life. Their future was in Jesus Christ. Now, you and I in the United States do not face all that pressure, but I think we have noticed over the years an increasing pressure on those of faith, that the church has come under scrutiny and has come under criticism from sometimes the highest places. Now, I'm not asking to run to the hills and go to a monastery and hide. I'm just saying, look, we have a resource. And as Paul said in Philippians, and as Peter will say here, this world is not our home. There's an old song, this world's not my home, I'm just a passing through. I will not sing it for you because if I sing, the room empties. It's, it's a unique experience that I enjoy. But they were saved, they knew the Lord Christ. People, ref uh, pardon me, Peter refers to them as a very special people. 
they were elect or chosen. In Christ, he says, you are a chosen or an elect people. This is a spiritual reality. It's not meaning you have no choice. Let me do it this way. Let's assume that this front row is full of people up here. Good God, I don't want to point at anybody because I don't want them to be offended. Let's assume this front row is full of people. God did not say, well, you in the first three seats get to go to heaven, and you in the next three seats don't get to go to heaven. That's not elect or choice. That's not what that means. God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. God had a plan and a purpose for us before we even showed up. God did not say when man sinned, oops, what do I do now? He had a plan and a purpose. We are chosen in Christ. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's pretty profound. That's pretty direct. That should be very clear to all of us. That salvation and a walk with God is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God put that out there. It was in his plan. The foreknowledge of God, we just, in a, in a sense, reference to that. There was a plan in place. God had us covered in Christ. Not making light of that, certainly, because that is, that is the plan of the ages. That is God's purpose of the ages, that he would bring mankind to himself through Jesus Christ. If God planned for you, God will not forget you. Do you understand what I just said? If God planned for you, God will not forget you. Now, I don't think that I'm the only person in the room that maybe sometime in my life I have thought, where is God in all this? He's right there. If he has chosen you in Christ, if he, if he, for, if he thought out, I'll put it in the, the words of our society or, or of our thinking, if he thought out his plan, he has not forgotten us. We are never abandoned. It says also that we are sanctified by the Spirit. Now, sanctified is a nice big word. What it means basically is to be set apart. In in the Spirit's work in our life, we are set apart. When I repent, when I give my heart to the Lord, I, am, I was going that way, I am now going this way. I've been set apart. If you go back to the Old Testament, certain things in the tabernacle or temple were set apart for service unto the Lord. That is to sanctify. That is to set apart. You and I in Jesus Christ are set apart as unto the Lord. We are identified as His. In some places in the Scripture, that's referred to this, this indwelling presence of the Spirit as a down payment on our future possession. God knows who you are, He knows where you live, and He knows all about you. We were ordained to obedience to Jesus Christ with the sprinkling of His blood. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We obey the gospel, the blood of Christ. Let me just reference this very quickly. When Peter uses this term, sprinkling of the blood, he is, he is calling their attention back to an Old Testament principle. 
How was the covenant established with the Jewish people? The covenant was established by the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. If you go back to Exodus, and if you'll ch ch just as one, one point, if you'll allow me to go to Exodus chapter 24, verse 8, I'm just going to read part of verse 8. Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. This is Moses talking to the people. And he literally took the blood of the covenant, the shed blood of animals, and he sprinkled it on the people. And this was the sign of the covenant. What did Jesus say when he instituted the communion with the, with the boys at the table? This represents my blood, the blood of the what? New covenant. Peter is simply referring to an Old Testament illustration so that people would grasp the blood of Jesus Christ is a seal of the covenant between God and man. The old song, the old gospel song, The Precious Blood. Oh, I see the stream flowing. The blood of the covenant established. So, now this is just for, as a note, you know, Peter makes no reference here to the Trinity, but it indirectly he makes a direct re re reference to the Trinity. He talks about the Father the elect, the foreknowledge. He talks about the Spirit's work in setting aside, you know, making you separate through the work of the Spirit. He talks about Jesus Christ, the blood of the covenant, Father, Spirit, Son, or Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's just there in Scripture. He doesn't underline, he doesn't highlight it, he just says it. So we, this is what has happened to us. This is what has been done for us. And then he wants to talk to us and just finishes off in there in the verse, he said, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. God is not stingy. He's a loving and giving God. Now, when I say he's a loving and giving God, I do not reference that in the sense that I have always wanted a Corvette. It's a running joke with me. But you know something? There is no Corvette in my driveway. Well, woe is me. God doesn't love me because I've always wanted a Corvette. No. When I'm talking about God is not a stingy God, God will meet every need. God will abundantly bless. But God knows that Jim is not bright enough to own that Corvette. <laughs> You get the idea. When I say God is not stingy, the ongoing expression of his love toward us, grace and peace, notice how he puts this, be yours in the fullest measure. Other translations will say be multiplied to you. God's grace was expressed in your life first. His grace reached out to you in Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of the Lord spoke into your life and said, you need to accept Christ, that is God's grace being extended to you. Once we are participants in accepting the grace of God, we walk in the peace of God. The Old Testament shalom, the ever-present peace of God. 
We could stand in the storm and experience the peace of God. Grace first, then peace. Peter calls all them to rejoice. He says, third verse, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And you read the rest for yourself. He praises God for his salvation, his mercy. Notice it's God's mercy, not our merit, that brought us into heaven. It's his mercy. John 3, born again. Christ talking to Nicodemus. You must be born again. It's a real experience by the spirit of the living God. He brought us into a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, in a very real sense, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Because every Sunday we come together, we rejoice in the resurrected Christ. So Easter Sunday is all the time. Every Sunday. We believers are here. We are, have an unshakable hope for the future, Jesus Christ. You have a living hope because Jesus is alive. A hope fixed on the person of Christ. Colossians, the third chapter, it says to think on those things that are above. Let those capture your mind. Who is above? What's he referring to? The presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 4, we have an inheritance, a hope. Inheritance is usually thought of in the sense of a family. We are part of the family. My family, when the, my passing, will get a, a great inheritance, inheritance. A buck 38 and an old Ford pickup. They're going to be delighted. It's going to be overwhelming. <laughs> we have a bigger inheritance in heaven a great inheritance in heaven. And because it's from God, no one can take it from us. It's there. If everything around you doesn't seem too sure, I've never played the stock market. I've never considered myself smart enough to play the smart stock, stock market. But I know that I have an inheritance in heaven. I know it's there. It's sure. It's spoken of as being imperishable. That's incorruptible, undying. It's there. It's spoken of as undefiled. It's unstained. It is pure. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It's enduring forever. And we have an eternal inheritance, and that's what it is. It says in verse 5, you are by, who are by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. Guarded tells us of the continuous attention of God to us in our lives. We are protected by God. Now, at one time in my family, Obviously, as a father, I would protect my children, but the, the you know, our daughter Pam, obviously you know her. I have a, a younger son. Well, he's not that young anymore. He's 47, but he was the youngest, and he'll let you know that he was the youngest. 
they had an older brother named Brad. Brad protected them. If Pam were here, she would smile. Brad was the protector of his brother and sister. Now, they may hammer on each other privately, but you mess with them outside the family, you had to deal with Brad. You have a protector, very God himself. And we access that, we access that by faith. We walk by faith. We trust him through faith. We appropriate everything God has for us. The just shall live and walk by faith. Can I point out the obvious? Here it is. What we are talking about here this morning, what is here this morning, is for the believer. When I talk about the God looks out for us, I'm talking about the believer. Not that he ignores the rest of the people, but we have a specific relationship because of Jesus Christ. It's for the believer. It's only the believer who can walk by faith. Our inheritance is promised to the believer. Now, I don't know everyone in the room personally, but my friend, if what I am talking about doesn't click with you, may I ask you what your relationship to Jesus Christ is? Because this, this is not some hallmark moment. <laughs> this is not a made-up story. This is not cookies and hot chocolate around Grandma's table to find the meaning of Christmas. This is the reality of God's love for us through Jesus Christ, that we have an inheritance, a God who watches out for us, a God who loves us, who God who walks with us, a God who abides in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is reality. And this is promised to the believer. This is a real place. We're real people involved in this. And because of Christ, we have a real relationship with God through Christ, empowered by the Spirit. Verse 6, we're to rejoice in this promise. And then Paul, or pardon me, Peter says to us, maybe for a moment, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He doesn't say that we're all going to face the same trials. He doesn't say, you know, everybody's going to go through the same thing. But you may face certain trials. Now, we all recognize that a trial is not somebody who cuts you off on the freeway. A trial is not how long you have to wait in the grocery line. A trial is not the fact that you have to mow your yard. A trial is a confrontation with someone who persecutes you or speaks against you because of your relationship to Jesus Christ. A trial could also be maybe a situation that's come up in your life that, that is difficult to walk through. It's a challenge. But God has not abandoned us. Rejoice in the promise of his presence. 
and that any trial is only for a time. Our faith is tested in this trial, but we find our faith in Christ is tri triumphant. Faith in Christ will be proven with praise and honor and glory. You live by faith. You walk by faith. We live in a relationship with a God who loves us. It says about our faith that it will be tried as gold is tried. But gold is perishable. Our faith is not perishable. Faith is not a gray shadow we missed. It is a reality of trusting in the God who loves us. I said this before. I'll repeat myself again. You live now by faith, not by sight. Peter goes on to say, you have not seen him, yet you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Jesus said to Thomas a week after his resurrection, these are the words to Thomas as recorded by John in the Gospel of John, 20th chapter, 29th verse. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Peter references that right now, that many and of those people that he wrote to had not literally seen Christ. Many us in, us in this room had not literally seen Christ, but we believe, we know, because of the assurance that we have through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the outcome of faith. The outcome of faith is the salvation of our souls. By souls, it means a total person here. We, have a, we are joyful Christians. We know that something is coming. If you can't find that joy, set your eyes off this world and start fixing your eyes on the, upon the salvation we have in Jesus. We rejoice not because of our situation, but because of our salvation. There's a very true about this statement. In October of 1957, Jim Davenport gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. On that night in October in 1957, I was saved. Jim Davenport is a lot older now than 1957. Jim Davenport is still saved. Someday Jim Davenport will leave this earth and come face to face with his Lord in heaven, his inheritance. I shall be saved. Salvation is an ongoing walk to an inheritance, to a reality, to an eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's ours. And I believe the challenge that Peter lays before us, and if we would read the rest of this epistle, we'd see this very clear. This is yours. Live like it now. Walk it out. Know that you have a God who loves you. Know that you have a God who is protecting you. 
Know that you have a God who has glorious plans for you, has an inheritance for you. Know you have a God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Know you have a God that watches out for you all the time. Know that you are loved. Know that you are secure. Know that you can have confidence in the one who created everything around us, and he knows your name. Amen? Amen. I believe there are some musicians that would like to join us on the platform. After they have joined me on the platform, after that we have participated with them, I'd like to come back and have a final prayer with you, okay? So give them a moment. Next service, I'll give you a better warning. I promise. Ha, <laughs> ha,